0: We're back with another wonderful, awesome episode of the Wild Edible World podcast for you guys. I'm one of your hosts,
1: Michael, and I am Steve. Today we have a lovely little treat for you. We have Mister JB Douglas of Foraged.com. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Michael and Steve. So, thanks for having me. I, I, I haven't been des-
2: described as little in a very long time. That makes me feel so dainty. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we're big fans of you, JB. Um, so just to talk a little bit more, give you a little bit more of an intro, um, you're a queer food forager, um, and you're based out of Ohio primarily, and right now you're uh, working through your degree and master, your master's degree in sustainable food systems, right?
2: That's absolutely correct. Um, I'm bouncing between a lot of different things right now, um, but it's always about um, always about foraged foods.
1: And working on the master's and then absolutely crushing it over at forage.com. Yeah, yeah. I was, we try, uh, we try. I was I was perusing a little bit earlier and there's several things in my cart ready to go. So, oh wow. I'm pretty pumped. Uh, I'm especially excited for next season that um apple sampler bag from Redkill Redkill Mountains.
2: Oh yeah, they do really really cool work and they um, I may mention this before to you guys. They make like uh an apple molasses um that is really killer. They're one of the few um manufacturers of that still it's a wonderful like sweet and a little bit bitter a little bit dark um indigenous sweetener to use. i love it oh,
0: that sounds wonderful um so let's i guess let's start right off with like some of your work at forage.com um you're their first full-time employee right
2: yeah that's right i joined the team about a year ago um about what like nine or ten months after they launched um uh and so i i My my formal title is um, uh, uh, VP of Culinary and Community, Um, but we are a startup, so I wear a lot of hats, just like the whole team does. Um, We kind of tag team things as needed. Um, But anything in the world of, you know, uh, marketing adjacent, um, uh, all the recipe development and recipe design work, um, the food styling, uh, photography work, um, community building and development work. Anything I can do to support the foragers, farmers, and the small businesses on our platform, um, that's kind of my bag.
0: That's awesome. I I have loved watching a couple of the videos of you working with the ingredients throughout the year. Um, I enjoyed how particularly honest you were with the struggle with the pawpaw cake. Um, and oh. how, how interesting, <laughs> yeah, and, and a little unconventional some of these ingredients can be, but also the result is uh, so rewarding and delicious.
2: Yeah, I um, that was a part of our collaboration with the Ohio Pop Off Festival that we sponsored this last year. I am, I mean, a total pop off fanatic. I think a lot of us foragers are um, uh, so fascinated by the history of it. Love working with it as an ingredient. Um, I will say I am probably not uh, making a cake anytime soon again. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, the the it's, it, There's so much of a there's so much labor that already goes into you know developing a recipe or, or recreating one, um, and then making it a cake that's like several multi-step is a challenge and then working with a fresh piece of fruit that is finicky mm-hmm. to, you know, peel and de-seed is a challenge. Mm-hmm. And then layering, layering in all the fo- the photography of it and the stops and starts of it um, was really that it was, it was an all day ordeal and it was not my favorite, but not my favorite <laughs> shoot then, day
1: at Forage. At and then trying not to devour the pawpaws while you're doing it. That would be my challenge. I love <laughs> pawpaws.
2: Yeah, it's so, like, I, I have learned uh, that, uh, you know, if, if you see a bunch of pawpaws for sale somewhere, cultivated or wild, um, a lot of people go for the quartz that have the really big fruits in them. And I have learned that it is best for me to buy the quartz that have all the tiny, tiny fruits, because then I'll just peel one and have the one if I have all the big ones. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to be like, like half pawpaw by the end of the day.
0: Half papa, yeah, fifty percent mm-hmm. body content of papa. Correct. I yeah. <laughs> also, I've, I've i feel like maybe the little ones kind of have a little bit better of a fruit to seal, seed ratio. Um,
2: oh, totally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Papas are one of my favorite things that I foraged this year. Um, but what was one of the favorite one of your favorite things that you foraged, or that you, oh, or that you received through um, your um, job?
2: Yeah, I have... Oh, man, I have so many answers to this question. Um, the ones... One of the things that actually, like, sticks out to me, since we're talking fruits, and specifically berries, since papa's are a berry, um, uh, is this season was, like, a Juneberry, berry, mulberry season for me, and a wine berry season. June's, like, Ohio berries were going nuts this season, and it really <laughs> filled my soul. I was harvesting them nonstop and dehydrating so many and freezing so many, and... Um, and it was such a joy to just have fresh, local berries for, like, the whole season. Um, so that really comes to mind as, like, top faves. I'm, like, down to the very, very last of my stash right now. Um, so I'm, I'm holding out for June. What's your stash, um,
0: frozen or dried? Le- le- now I've got, I,
2: have, I probably have, like, a quarter cup of dried June berries a quarter cup of dried mulberries and like like half a cup of dried wine or be- uh, frozen wine berries nice. we're really coming down to it
1: yeah <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good show, yeah. <laughs> pretty I, don't, I don't have any of that so I'm 100% jealous
0: um so beyond uh, as as forager as personally um I enjoy foraging because of the uh I don't know net the carbon net neutrality of it and the like kind of pro-economic stance that it takes. And I was just curious how, like, yeah, it seems like a lot of your passions and your um, your job focus is kind of in foraging foods. Um, and I'm curious how you see foraging as a part of a sustainable food system. Do you think it's like, um, do you think it's an answer or the answer or how do you feel about it? Yeah, that is
2: a great question. It's a lot of what I'm trying to tackle in my graduate studies. Um, You know, I always say that I am interested in sustainably and equitably developing the wild foods industry. Um, And there's a lot that goes into that. We have to, like, you know, we have to further define, conceptualize, like, how we think about what makes a wild food. We have to think about what makes something an industry. We have to, um, and there's, like, so much intersectionality with foraging, and environmental justice, racial justice, land justice, um, economic justice, um, hunger justice. There's just so much that that happens there. Um, a lot of what we're looking at in that program um, is, uh, like, how is the food system currently contributing to climate change? And then what can we do to mitigate that work, mitigate that, right? Um, so for me, I, I'm i really resistant to anyone that, or any ideas that purport to be some sort of magic bullet or single solution to the climate crisis or to food system reform um, because they're so complex. Uh, I really believe that we're not gonna have one solution. We're gonna have, and we need a lot of micro solutions. Um, we need a wide diversity of micro solutions. Um, And it's why I kind of encourage people to um, find what interests them in the food space and in the climate space, Um, find a solution that feels like um, it can get you out of bed in the morning and then go for it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I think action is always going to be more powerful than doubt or over, over analysis. Um, And so for me, I see real potential in wild foods and understanding wild foods better. uh, And I'm just going all in on that.
1: Yeah. Just, just diving a little deeper into that one. Um, So if if you're new to this, you're, you're new to foraging, you're, maybe you've, you've gardened with your folks or or something along those lines. Um, What, what do you think is a good first step? Do you think like a backyard backyard garden or, um, you know what, what? What do you think are some are some basic like steps that you know our, our listeners can take to kind of help out?
2: Yeah, the the two things that I kind of t- direct people towards um, when they're first like interested in foraging. Um, uh, the first, to me, like I think uh, today we often talk about foraging as this like activity that has a beginning, middle, and end. That there's like you go out, you do the thing, you come back. When the act of foraging and like the lifestyle of it, I think is really about connection with the land and knowing the flora um, and the fauna around you and the the fungi around you more deeply, right? It's about this like human connection with nature um, and learning to feed yourself from the land. So for those reasons, like I, I say, I tell people to just start with getting outside every day, try to walk the same path every day notice what plants you notice and notice how they, how they change every single day um the more that you are out in nature even if it is just you know looking at the tree lawns on your sidewalk even if it's just like the local park that's hyper landscaped next to you there are still complex ecosystems happening there that you can learn from and notice if you are out in nature every day and becoming attuned to it so that to me is like the base that's like the most accessible thing um, that each of us can do. Um, the second thing that I recommend um, is to start with a history of the land and understand whose land you're on. Um, and for us in North America, right, we, there's a deep history of indigenous cultures that have inhabited this place for centuries and centuries and centuries um, before colonizers came in here. Um, starting with um, whose land it is and understanding their value systems And being really rigorous about that research to me is the most important place to start. I think a lot of people, there are a lot of people that have like their own ways into the foraging and wild food space. Um, You know, growing up in more rural um, forested areas, or growing up in lower economic areas, and uh, you know, feeding themselves with parts of subsistence. But if you're somebody that is entering the space for the first time, I think you have a responsibility to start with the indigenous cultures of the area, and knowing the land best. So those are my two things, get outside and um, learn the land.
1: Oh, hey Steve. Oh, hey Mike. Well, what's wrong, buddy? Well, I I just got this new water bottle, but it just looks so plain. Well, have I got the store for you. Introducing the
0: Wild Edible World Podcast Merch Store. Wowie, wow! wow. It's the merch store where you can get all of your favorite podcasts merch for all your decorating purposes.
1: How do I find that?
0: Go to wildedibleworldpod.shopify.com or go to any of our Instagram and media accounts and view the link in the bio.
1: Wow, Wowie wow. wow. those are great points i especially like the uh like the education component of that and then also just the uh the awareness and like presence in the moment and then like in your surroundings so like i'm immediately thinking of the property that my my daytime job is on and um you know just walking that and seeing like wild grapes and then maybe seeing some old uh crab apples growing on a tree and saying oh, i can't wait to try those next year and that's just like a really good example of of that exactly what you're talking about knowing your surroundings and then noticing the differences and how it's changing and and the cool things you can find
0: yeah i think that uh, like familiarity with place and really getting to know your local environments over an extended period of time is really kind of quintessential to a complete human experience um to really like get that fulfilling um I don't know that nourishing feeling that I think we all get when we spend time outside, um, and bringing our food from that place is a, is a part of that. And I like that you think of it as a continu- a continuing thing. You know, foraging isn't the act of going out, grabbing the food, and taking it back. It's the everything in between and after too. It's the appreciation, the knowledge, the mindfulness, um, the respect the love. Yeah, absolutely. And I, 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 yeah, I I think
2: part of the barrier to, to it for people is that it feels like there's a lot of rules to learn. And like, I don't know the species and I have to, I have so much to understand and, and, and I have to get to this big park and I just want to take, encourage people to take a step back and be like, I think you can just start with looking at the trees or looking at the weeds in your, in your lawn. And I think that is like, just as profound and important as, you know, go, traveling to, from where even to the to the West Coast, you
0: know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the number of times I've said and recommended to people like the best place to start is your own, if you have a backyard, your own backyard. And if you don't have a backyard, there's still grassy areas around where you live most likely. Um, and that are those are diverse little um, microcosms Um, you know I started learning with basically a dandelion that's that's a great first starting plant for anybody to kind of latch on to Um, and it's a really safe one too so it's just all it takes is just you know not being so hard on yourself like you said taking a step back and just uh, you know realizing that this is supposed to be fun and restorative as well as uh, you know Mm. Yummy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um I guess we can talk a little bit more about uh some of the um food that you've gotten through that you've seen come across your way through uh forage market. Like you talked about or I guess it's dot com now. Yeah. It's dot com. Anybody watch Rum- <laughs> Home star Runner? But mm-hmm. um but the uh Apple molasses you brought up sounded really, really interesting. You said that's the only place that, like, does this? Is it kind of like an ancestral technique or something or what? It's one of the few that, like, produce and bottle and sell it still. Um, um, But that's,
2: like, I I have a really great privilege in my job. um, If we, like, want to feature a product or we want to use it in a recipe – um, that food makes its way to my doorstep so I can, uh, I can work with it. So I get to try a lot of different things from all over the country, um, um, which is really exciting and really inspiring. Uh, a couple of things that, you know, call out as um, exciting moments over the, 2022. Um, one, a vendor of ours, um, Sergio, his business is named SC Specialties. He's out in New Jersey. Um, does all sorts of really cool, um, experimental forest farming work. Um, he made uh, elder elderberry capers this year, like from the actual, um, the, the bud of the elder flower before it opens up. And those were just so, so tasty. I literally had them in a the sauce. I put them in a the sauce that I made um, at lunch today. Um, they taste like a clean caper with just like a, you know, that little bit of extra interest uh, that little bit of a surprise and they're slightly smaller than traditional caper which I really appreciate. I like that um that kind of caviar like texture. Um, so that was just that's that's an example that always comes to mind when I think about what's on the site. Um another one that uh on the fresh produce side, um I'm a huge fan of Greenbrier. I don't know if you guys yes. do you guys have Greenbrier after we we're up? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I love. That's like one of that was an earlier um, species for me on my list uh, when I was uh, in in Boston. Um, and when I saw a vendor listed who had it down in Georgia, I was like, "Oh, I wonder if it tastes different." And it was so sweet, and the and the tendrils were so like they were like two feet long and still tender. Wow! Um, it was it was really delightful and wonderful. And I made like a polenta. Um, with uh, green brier and some other, I think ramps or some other spring greens on top, um, but that was um, a delight to be able to see this a different a sim- different species, um, but you know same genus uh, uh, taste so differently in different locations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's really fascinating, and that this company has kind of like arisen in a way to. Be the um, kind of fulcrum point for a lot of different coasts to interact with each other, and um, yeah, it's really fun. And the idea of like elderflowers um, as capers is really, really fun to me. Have you ever made like or had Saint Germain, the elderflower liqueur? Oh, have I? <laughs> yeah, <I'm a> huge, <laughs> I, I, am,
2: I am a bit of a flush, such right? a sucker for um, for like botanical and floral flavors um when when someone says something tastes like soap to them that's what i'm like oh i'm gonna love it um, <laughs> <laughs> i love that attitude uh, i really lo- i really love it and i and i love like grassy flavors too and yeah I, it's so funny mm. to me when people say something tastes like grass or something tastes like soap as like a, a negative connotation and to me that's like such a moment of delight uh, we actually have a new A newer vendor that joined us um, at Lucky Boots Farm, they're down in Southern Ohio, and they have an elderflower syrup and an elderflower and an elderberry syrup. Um, Also really delightful, um, really cool practices too. They've um, been restoring um, what had previously been a cattle farm to like back to native prairie and then planting perennial um, uh, berry crops. Uh, But their elderflower syrup is delicious, highly recommend.
0: That's really really awesome
1: and then your uh, your vendors that you that you mentioned how lucky for them to find a great place like forage. you guys do like a 90 ten split uh, 90 going towards the uh, vendor and then ten coming back to you just to cover expenses I'm sure um, I, I, th- I just think that's a really cool thing and uh, like what an awesome way to to get to spread the knowledge and then also provide for people you know
2: yeah we're really intentional about that we you know, our our CEO has a uh, his background is in like corporate sustainability, um, and all the rest of the team are foragers or you know ex farmers ourselves. So we really get the 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 labor and the time, and the passion that goes into that actually producing these foods, um, and we get why you don't want to come home at the end of the day and take photos and figure out SEO and mm-hmm. listing and like. F- deal with um website developers or any of that like we handle all of that so they can focus on doing what they need to do and that 10 percent just goes right back into building the features that um, our vendors ask for Um, it's also part of what's so great about having a platform that is built for you know small food producers Mm -hmm. is they're not, not they're not trying to like uh trying to make a platform fit their needs they get to ask us um tell us what they need and then we get to go back and try to figure out how to make that happen for them. Um, so, um, I'm yeah, I'm just it's endlessly inspiring to be able to talk to them every day and just see um, what's coming up next for them in their world.
0: Do you guys sell live plants or like root stocks at all?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We yeah. Um, uh, we love cultivation and cultivation supplies, um, and we work with quite a few vendors that again are in the experimental like forest farming era, um, spaces or are really into reforesting um, with like native plants. So uh, if for example, we've got springs, springs on its way, um, there's a lot of you know, challenging conversations out there about ramps and the sustainability of harvesting ramps. If you're one of those people that um, uh, feels strongly about um, harvesting wild ramps, the good news is you can uh, uh, buy ramp seeds or plantable ramp bulbs from other foragers or um, cultivators on the site, uh, and that way you can just, like start your own patch or tend your help to to replant spe- uh, those species in patches where they've maybe taken a taken a hit.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a really valuable service. Um, a lot of people don't really know, uh, yeah, where to get them, how to get that stuff. So just having a website with the word foraged in it and it's providing all that stuff is really really helpful. Um, and just other foragers, too, you know, just having it be kind of like a little database of other um, wild food peoples to just kind of get to know each other and notice that, like, you know, it's great feeling not alone and seeing how many other businesses across the country are doing this kind of thing.
2: Yeah, we're really excited about growing into having more community resources and programming that will connect um, connect everyone to each other better um, and provide um, spaces for them to communicate easier uh, that's all it's growing every day and we there's a lot on the on on the horizon for foraged, um, but that is definitely part of what I my vision and my work, both at this company and in school is seeing a coalescing of the wild foods community, um, and trying to get this on the same page and um, you know organizing together
0: yeah absolutely and you come from kind of an interesting and unique background i think with some a lot of your experience with uh just the time i've known you and your time in wild food but before that um you i think last time we talked you mentioned that you had spent a lot of time working on an organic farm or like a couple different organic farms um, pretty small farms too yeah i had so my
2: background originally was in Um, experiential and site specific design for theater. Um, So I was doing like crazy props and set building and set design work. Um, And I got a little burnt out of that. And uh, one day, you know, through through this, a bunch of funny stories with a bunch of funny people, I was encouraged to follow what was making me, um, uh, you know, more fulfilled in the moment. And I was like, and I had reached a breaking point. I was like, it's time to go to food. So I, I quit my theater career um, pretty dramatically, uh, pretty quickly. And I went to go shop at a farmer's market and saw that one of the farms was hiring for a cashier retail position. And I was like, can I have a job? And they were like, yes, indeed. <laughs> and um, uh, and that just snowballed into so much. It, I, I went into it thinking that it would just be a part-time thing. Um, but I really learned so much on those farms they had um uh like brick and mortars in a public market uh and learning about food access um especially as it relates to public health food education um uh you know snap and healthy incentive programs and it has as it relates to small regenerative farms and small organic farms um and it was just endlessly fascinating to see the way that um, food can be a driver of economic mobility and social mobility and environmental justice. Um, The way that we can put dollars towards getting good foods to lower income people is a direct benefit to bettering the land um, and bettering local economies
0: preach hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> well and and i think it's kind of it, yeah and then whenever you're in places like that it's it's hard to realize sometimes that like not everywhere is like that you know there's um pretty important places doing really important outreach and it's so inspiring but we need more of that yeah we absolutely do that that was um a kind of a shocking
2: moment in, in like my sc- my graduate studies right now is i had this revelation that the farms that I was working for, so to shout them out, Sienna Farms and Sulman Farm, I'm out in Massachusetts. Uh, I had this epiphany that they were doing a lot better work than most other farms out there. <laughs> um, uh, I didn't realize how bad um, the labor justice was on a lot of um, a lot of other farms, um, but we absolutely need to see more of that. We need, you know, open source information about regenerative practices. We need better. Um, you know, we need better subsidies and grants for that work. Um, we need better access for um, people of color entering the um, farming space and access to land. There's a lot to do, um, but I'm feeling pretty hopeful based on what I'm seeing happening out there right now.
0: Yeah, I think we're pretty hopeful, too. Um, the energy and the excitement um, in, in in novel ways of solving this food crisis and I think, you know, uh, I don't, I don't, it's, it's kind of confusing to think about how why we're so focused on finding a single answer that just helps everybody when we're not taking into account that the sheer diversity of human beings requires an equally diverse set of answers and how much stronger of a foundation that really makes everything um, and how much safer it could be. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I totally agree.
2: And, and that's, I mean, this is why I'm like really thankful for seeing podcasts like yours um, that are, you know, centering wild foods and native species um, um, in the conversation, because to me, we have to start with the land and the people that understand (laughs) land best in my experience Um, are the foragers the foragers are the conservationists the foragers are the ones thinking about food and preservation and seasonality Um, and i think that we as a community have real responsibility and potential to to move the needle
0: yeah real potential you're absolutely right um you know i think (laughs) in our in our last attempt to record this episode we talked about how foraging hasn't quite reached the mainstream whenever everybody was like listening their end of year TikTok subcultures or whatever. Forage talk wasn't on there. But um, you know, I just saw today that um Miss Black Forager Alexis Nichols is gonna be on Jimmy Kimmel tonight.
1: Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? So exciting.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: so it's so excited.
2: I'm so delighted that her star has continued to rise. Like I there is nothing I want more. Um seriously. Yeah, it's, it's, I think and it's a great sign um, for the future of what we've got coming.
0: Exactly. That's, that's, I feel very similarly. Um, this has been a really, really inspirational talk. Um, we really thank you for joining us and enlightening our show with a lot of thank- your really knowledgeable topics yeah I, I
1: have one more question i oh, I, yeah. I just want to i just want to touch i didn't throw a little I- illinois shout out uh so you said you like floral liqueurs have you ever had malort before i don't think i have oh that's what i was buddy. gonna bring that
0: up dude yes
1: <laughs> all right well
0: soon, if you like soon, botanical friend, liquors soon. oh boy you're in for a chicago treat
2: wait spell it for me
0: m as in michael a l o r t okay like your. I will check it out. What What's the flavor? Wormwood. Yes. Ooh. And
1: and licorice.
0: <gasps> oh, yes.
1: It it reminds me a lot of grapefruit rind. Yeah, it's
0: it. Well, okay. Ooh. So the, there's a little bit of. Um, I, I'm not not to disparage a beverage that we very I love it. That We very much love. It's very different from bottle to bottle. Their quality control is pretty meh. Because I've had drinks from two different <laughs> bottles in the same night, and the first drink was like, "Oh, this is amazing! This is what all bottles should." T-. And then the next one was like skunky and weird. So
1: they also do different like barrel agings and things like that. I I think Malort's pretty consistent personally. Okay, all right. Um, you you
0: certainly probably drink more of it than I do. Yeah, I've definitely. So.
1: Definitely probably had a little bit more. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's something that uh, that is local uh, around these parts, but it, it's moving a little bit. Yeah, it's and a well. legendary liqueur around here. And we'll have to bring some to can't our first wait. hangout. It's
0: some- definitely something you share with your friends. So consider yourself a friend of the show.
1: Ah,
2: oh, I'm delighted. And, <laughs> and, and oh, you know what? Actually, now we say friend of the show. I, I have recently learned that I was the first um, uh, owner of a Wild Edible World a pin, and I would encourage anyone listening to go and get one of those pins, because they are sick.
0: (laughs) Thanks so much. (laughs) We really appreciate your support. Um, You've been a real one from day one. Yeah, thank uh,
1: thank you for hanging out with us. Thanks for having me, guys. You're absolutely welcome.
0: We'll have to have you back again, and until then, this has been the best show to find the best food for free, be it curbside, low tide, or... Trailside. See you next time. That was the wonderful J.B. Douglas. How fun was that? It was... The most fun, twice over. What a guy. What a guy. Um, Super knowledgeable, um, pretty thoughtful, um, really awesome photographer. Some of the
1: most beautiful food I've ever seen. Yeah,
0: I love the, we talked about this last time in the episode that never was, but uh, his juxtaposition with color and Mm -hmm. his food, um, I really love the attitude he brought to wanting to see more colorful representation of these ugly but delicious foods you know and still being able to make that you know something that's attractive to look at so check out his instagram for sure at food, and that's only one letter in all of those except for food so don't repeat the s jbdouglas.food Dot?
1: and then um check out where he works which is foraged.com yeah that place is rad seriously i'm i didn't know they did uh like live plants as well yeah on, like rootstock i'm going to go on there probably in the parking lot
0: yeah there's probably a really good potential (laughs) throughout the year to get some like really really interesting plants um a lot of the businesses that they work with and forages that they work with are very reputable they have a whole process that they go through and vetting everything so highly recommend that um so yeah thanks for listening to another awesome episode we love you guys Mm -hmm. and uh, let us know Send us a DM if you guys have any recommendations on who you guys would like to hear on the podcast. And we'll see if we are cool enough to, to reach them. <laughs> we'll, we'll try and get an interview with them. So let us know. Bye.
1: Bye.